नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय His arms are the demigods headed by Indra. The ten directional sides are his ears, and physical sound is his sense of hearing. His nostrils are the two Ashwini Kumaras. And material fragrance is his sense of smell. His mouth is the blazing fire. Hearing I propose not here. So it's recorded by The description of the gigantic form of the personality of Godhead made in the 11th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita is further explained here in the Srimad Bhagavatam. The description in the Bhagavad Gita runs as follows. O Vishnu, I see you devouring all people in your blazing mouths and covering all the universe by your immeasurable rays, scorching the worlds you are manifest. In that way, Srimad Bhagavatam is the postgraduate study for the student of the Bhagavad Gita. Both of them are the science of Krishna, the absolute truth, and so they are interdependent. The conception of the Virata Purusha, the gigantic form of the Supreme Lord, is said to include all the dominating demigods as well as the dominated living beings. Even the minutest part of a living being is controlled by the empowered agency of the Lord. Since the demigods are included in the gigantic form of the Lord, worship of the Lord, whether in his gigantic material conception or his eternal transcendental form as Lord Sri Krishna, also appeases the demigods and all the other parts and parcels, as much as water in the root of a tree distributes energy to all of the trees of the parts. Consequently, for a materialist also, worship of the universal gigantic form of the Lord leads one to the right path. One need not risk being misled by approaching many demigods for fulfillment of different desires. The real entity is the Lord himself, and all others are imaginary, for everything is included in him only. <clears throat> the subject matter here is the Virata Rupa, the universal form of the Lord. But uh, I'm going to comment on a statement that Prabhupada has made in the purple that is tangential to this subject but vital in our understanding of Bhagavad Tattva Vigyana, the science of the absolute truth, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Prabhupada writes, Srimad Bhagavatam is the postgraduate study for the student of the Bhagavad Gita. Both of them are the science of Krishna, the absolute truth, and so they are interdependent. Interdependent means that one cannot understand Srimad Bhagavatam without understanding the basic knowledge of Bhagavad Gita. It is the foundation. And whatever is explained in Bhagavad Gita in, uh, in a concise manner 
is explained in an elaborate manner in the Srimad Bhagavatam. That's why we find in Srila Prabhupada's purpose that often in the Gita, in he in his Gita purpose, he cites Srimad Bhagavatam to elucidate a point that he's making within the uh, purport explaining the verse of Bhagavad Gita. And we find within the Bhagavata that uh, similarly he quotes Bhagavad Gita <coughs> verses many times within his purports to elucidate and support the points that are being made there. So they're interdependent. It's the same message in uh, concise form in Bhagavad Gita and, and in elaborate form in Srimad Bhagavatam. In Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna makes comparative religion course. We have this in the universities here. Comparative religion. Compare all the different religions. Not in, not comparing uh, Christianity, Islam, and all those things because I guess one reason is because they weren't there at that time. But uh, comparing the power, comparing and showing the values of karma, jnana, yoga, and bhakti. Now, unlike in modern comparative religion where the idea of uh, these modern anthropological and sociological ideas of uh, subjective morality has entered that that there is no fixed morality but if something is considered in one group moral that's moral and if in another group they accept that something else is moral that's moral but rather Krishna is not it's not that he has 30 minutes or one hour before the battle and just to pass time they have a they have a little talk about comparative religion. But uh, Krishna wants to establish what is the absolute truth to Arjuna, who is bewildered. Arjuna is acting on the platform of relative truth, that to kill our gurus is very bad, and for so many reasons he was refusing to fight, uh, which is all very good from the platform of relative truth or relative morality, which is why people often have a difficult time understanding Bhagavad Gita. What is this? This religious scripture in which in which Arjuna refuses to fight and gives good reasons, and Krishna, who you claim to be God, tells him, no, God killed. What kind of religion is this? So this has to be understood from the, this is raising Arjuna from the platform of Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha, which we've been discussing in the last few days, to the platform of Bhagavad Tattva Vijnana, the platform of scientific knowledge of the Supreme Absolute Truth, namely himself, Krishna. And uh, on the absolute platform, in that particular circumstance, for Arjuna to fight was required. In one sense, Arjuna's fighting was circumstantial. What he had to do was to act on the platform of the Absolute Truth, and in that particular circumstance, acting on the platform of the Absolute Truth, managed to fight. But the message that Krishna is giving to all of us is, is not the message is not to all of us is not to fight, not necessarily. But the message that is given is to act on the platform of absolute reality. 
and therefore it's misunderstood by all persons who are not on that platform. Those who are on the platforms of relative morality can never understand Bhagavad Gita because on the platform of relative morality, it's a horrible thing that Krishna is telling Arjuna to fight and kill so many people. Even we find after the battle, there was one uh, Brahmana who came to Krishna and said that you are the cause of all this fighting. You are the this Utanga, it's called Utanga, is it? You are you are the it's all your fault. You could have stopped it. All so many people died. I'm going to curse you. Krishna said, Well you can curse me if you like, but it won't have any effect. Because you are in the modes of material nature and I am Nirguna. I'm beyond the modes of material nature. Your curse cannot affect me. So those who consider Krishna an, an ordinary material person, they cannot understand Krishna. Even they sometimes praise him. Great philosopher, something like this. Great historical personality, great politician. Great philosopher, yeah, but a lot more. Now, when you say great philosopher, that doesn't mean we compare him to uh, so many great philosophies of the philosophers. Uh, that there's, just, there's some of this. Plato and Socrates and these are the early philosophers and then we have so many others in the western world so it's not that Krishna is like a, a prototype Socrates or something like this but uh, Krishna is himself the absolute truth and that is the point that Krishna is explaining by explaining karma, jnana, yoga and ultimately bhakti sarvadhamanaparitya this is the conclusion not that as persons on the relative platform they conclude that well all the paths are they're all the same because they all lead all the paths lead to the same goal which is true they all lead it because they're in a circle they're going round and round in the samsara chakra the wheel of birth and death so they all they all lead to this whatever you do karma, jnana, yoga or even so-called bhakti which is not pure devotional service it just keeps you on the wheel Maybe in different places on the wheel, but it keeps you in the wheel of birth and death. So it's okay, man. It's all the same. It all leads to, it's true. It all leads to the same. It keeps us in the wheel of birth and death. And they have no vision beyond that. That was Socrates, wasn't it, who said that? that uh, was it he who gave that example of persons who they have lived all their life in a dark cave? And someone comes in and says, I will show come, I will show you the sun. So they pick up their candle. No, no, you don't need a candle to see the sun. Now what are you talking about? You can't see anything without a candle. Prabhupada gave the example that's means it's from Shastra of uh the frog in the well. <laughs> Similar example. They cannot imagine any reality beyond the tiny little well in which he lives. So Krishna uh, examines karma, jnana, and yoga, and bhakti, and comes to the conclusion that bhakti, the absolute truth can be attained. I can be understood, Krishna says, only by pure devotional service. So this this sarvadhamaparitta, surrender to me only, this conclusion of Bhagavad Gita uh, gives us the introduction to Srimad Bhagavatam. When we have accepted Bhagavad Gita, 
we've come to this conclusion, when we've accepted this conclusion, then we become eligible to begin Srimad Bhagavatam, in which the subject matter is from the beginning stated Omnamo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. The subject matter here is Vasudeva, Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And all the points that Krishna has stated about himself in Bhagavad Gita are summarized in the first shloka of Srimad Bhagavatam. Janmadhyasyataha. It is he from whom the creation comes, by whom everything is maintained, and by whom everything ultimately is destroyed. And he is the so he is supremely independent. He knows everything. So all these uh, what comes after that? Uh, it was he who imparted this knowledge to Brahma at the time of creation. And even the great demigods are, be, are bewildered in the matter of understanding him. Sejo Bari Vidang Yata, Vinimeo Yatra Chisago Mishad, Hamas Rayna Siddha, Nirasta Guhakam Satyam Param Dhimahi. So uh, to, to understand the subject matter of Krishna is uh, it's very difficult. It's, uh, it's because we're illusioned. Because of the illusion, just like sometimes this material, this material world is here and compared to uh, the appearance of land on water or the appearance of water on land, a mirage in other words. Uh, he is always residing in his own uh, eternal transcendental abode and he is forever free from illusion. There is no possibility of illusion in Krishna. Therefore, that Supreme Personality of God, it is He upon whom one should direct one's attention, one should meditate upon. Then, Dharma Projita Kaitavatra. Same thing, Krishna says, Savadhamma Antaraktata. Give up all varieties of religion, which is not actually religion, which is, which is not the Jaiva Dharma or Ava Dharma, the religion of the soul to surrender to Krishna. So again, uh, in the beginning of Srimad Bhagavatam, Vedyas states the same thing, rejecting all forms of cheating religion. We find that in Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna analyzes what is Karma Jnana, Yoga, and Bhakti and comes to the clear conclusion that uh, as stated in Bhagavatam Shriya Shrutin Bhakti that only Bhakti is the only auspicious path for all living beings and anyone who gives this up they simply bring trouble upon them and those who don't engage in devotional service they simply bring trouble upon themselves they may think that I'm going to enjoy myself, but actually their, their attempts at enjoyment simply bring trouble upon themselves. So in this way, we can go through the whole Bhagavatam experts. Pivotal Bhagavatas Samalayam is uh, go on drinking the nectar of Srimad Bhagavatam. Srimad Bhagavatam is very clearly focused on Krishna. Bhagavad Gita is also but in Bhagavad Gita uh, Lord Krishna spends uh, much of the subject matter of Bhagavad Gita is 
describing what Krishna consciousness isn't, or showing how the path of bhakti is superior, superlatively superior to all other paths. It's in a different dimension or category. Just like we can say that uh, among animals, uh, or let's, let's give it a different example. We have dog races in this country, a stupid thing, a greyhound racing. They do that? They don't do that. Well, they're not so stupid. But anyway, in many countries, at least in England, it's a stupid place where I come from. It's a common thing, they have dog races. There's a certain kind of dog called a greyhound. Which they train to run very fast. Yeah, horse races. Okay, let's go. Let's say horse races, right? Okay, horse races. So, uh, we can say among horses, among racing, well, there are, there are different categories of horses. There are pack horses, which they're big, strong, heavy, they pull, they pull wagons. They must be using them on the farms too in the country somewhere. So that kind of horse, that can't be compared to a racehorse in the terms of racing. You, you, you bring all the pack horses in the world, and none of them can beat a racehorse, even an ordinary racehorse. So you can say the, the racing horse is always better than the pack horse. But then if we compare the, even the pack horse to a snail in terms of movement, then there's no comparison. Snail, you can bring a snail and put him here and come back two days later and he, he might have made it from that door to here. <laughs> Going at top speed. There's a race going on here. I always used to see when I was walking early in the morning in Croatia and Slovenia that all these snails coming on the road and then you could see they're, they're crushed by the cars. So many of them. Because um, they can pop their horn, but the sail can't get out of the way. <laughs> so they become merged with the pavement. <laughs> so it's like that. It's a different dimension. You can say karma, jnana is better than karma, yoga is better than jnana. But when we say bhakti, even if you, just like some people might say, yes, yes, bhakti is better than karma or jnana. If you like bhakti, yes, yes, it's okay. As if it's not really comparable at all. We may think that, yes, karma, jnana, if you like, you can follow karma. If you like, you can follow bhakti. If you like, you can think bhakti is better than karma. But it's not, in comparing karma, jnana, yoga and bhakti, Krishna seeks to clear the misconception that bhakti is just another of the, just another path. And it's just maybe a little bit better than karma or jnana. It's in a completely different category. It's, it's not like, if we say bhakti is superior to karma, jnana and yoga, it's not like saying a resource is faster than pack horse. It's like saying, oh, it's, it's comparing a horse to a snail. It's a completely different category. So this is, uh, this is the subject by a matter of Bhagavad Gita to establish the bhakti characterized by surrender to Krishna is the topmost path or only really uh, viable path for self-realization to the big being. Now, Srimad Bhagavatam begins from that point, Krishna describes bhakti 
based on surrender. And of course, bhakti is always the symptom of bhakti. It's not like the surrender in a labor camp. Where, where you are in the army, where you're forced to do so, or out of fear, one may follow the rules and regulations. But that is Priti Purvakam, as Krishna mentions in Bhagavad Gita in several places. Krishna gives insight into the nature of bhakti. Priti Purvakam means executed on the platform of love. So uh, the bhakti which Krishna has described in Bhagavad Gita. Uh, which, uh, in conclusion, he uh, said he, he brings to the point of surrender, surrender to him, and gives suggestions throughout the Gita of how this path of bhakti is one of love for Krishna, very sweet path of love. But from the very beginning in Srimad Bhagavatam, it is established that herein we are discussing. Bhakti on the platform of love. Nikamakaupatara Galitam Palam Shukamakadam Rita Jaga Sangita. Pivata Bhagavata Rasamala Vahura Rasika Bhuri Bhavukaha. So this is the ripened fruit of the tree of the Vedic literature. And it's become even better by the uh, by the Shuka, the parrot, Shukya Goswami, he's pecked it, the, the, the parrot pecks the mango on the tree and becomes more sweet. So already you have the sweetest variety of mangoes on the tree, and if the parrot comes and pecks a little bit, then it becomes even nicer, even sweeter. So this example is given, play on words, pan on the, the sugar, on the sugar. So this Vyasa uh, is recommending go on drinking this nectar up to the point as long as we're in this world uh, again and again drink this nectar of Sriman Bhagavatam. So uh, Sriman Bhagavatam brings us to is based on the knowledge of Bhagavad Gita. It's, it's not different from the knowledge of Bhagavad Gita, but the emphasis is on love beyond surrender. The surrender, that is one platform, but that's not really love. That's why Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it's quite surprising, in discussing with Ramananda Rai, what is the purpose of life and how to attain it? Sadhya, sadhana, tattva. So Ramananda Rai gave so many suggestions, starting off with Vanashram Dharma, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, not exactly rejected Ego Bhajya, but he didn't say it's external. He didn't say it's totally bogus. But he said it's not intrinsic to the soul. Varnashram Dharma. This is not intrinsic to the soul. Then uh, he offered Karma Mishra Bhakti, Ego Bhajya. Jnana Mishra Bhakti, Ego Bhajya. Then uh, Ramananda Rai suggested Saradhanam Paritya Mame Kamsharanam and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said Eho Bhaya this is also external Ali Kaha say something more it may be very surprising this Krishna's topmost instruction in Bhagavad Gita and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says that's also external it's getting better but something this also external so how is that? Krishna is saying surrender to me and I will deliver you from all sinful reactions now how is that also external? The Bhaktisiddhanta explained that this is because if you have to say to someone, 
That, okay, you be a good boy, naughty boy, you be a good boy, and I'll forgive you, and I'll give you some sweets. So that's all right for naughty boys, but that's not love. That doesn't establish the platform of love for Krishna. When one voluntarily uh, offers himself, or gives himself, or is engaged in service without any expectation. So, even though this is uh, this is such a high platform compared to the karmis, jnanis, or yogis, it is still, it has to be explained further, or we have to go further so, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings especially, that is love beyond surrender. Love means beyond surrender. Surrender is the basis. If there's no surrender to Krishna, there's no love for Krishna. But we have to go more, further. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu especially has explained the Srimad Bhagavatam in a manner to highlight this love beyond surrender. Prima, prima Pramartha Maha. That the real necessity for every living being is to love Krishna without any expectation, not even mukti. In the Vaishnava Sampradayas, they desire mukti for the sake of serving the Lord. They don't want this sayuja mukti of merging into the existence of the Lord, but they want, they desire mukti, we shall go to Vaikuntha and we shall serve the Lord there. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, not even that. If I can love you anywhere, I don't even demand to be, to be, if you don't want me with you, if that gives you happiness, then I'm also ready to accept. Not even any slight demand from Krishna. Just uh, praying for the opportunity. That even if I'm born as a as a worm in stools, that uh, even if I have to be born, then uh, if I can be your devotee somehow or other, that's all right. But if you want to make me Brahma without any sense of devotion to you, I have no such desire. So this uh, pure devotional service, extreme surrender or beyond surrender. Surrender means basic, it's just like they have they have after a while they have some they sit down and they have some peace formula, some terms of agreement. They work it out and then they both sign. Okay, alright. Okay, the war's over. But uh, a devotee doesn't devotee doesn't stop at that. They have the terms of surrender, and even the even the defeated party is trying to negotiate for their best self-interest. That we're defeated. Okay, you defeated us. All right, we'll we'll try to come to some some agreement whereby we get we can go on somehow or other with, with some hope in the future of of coming back and maybe overpowering you in the future. But the the devotee doesn't stop. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu teaching, teaching devotion that we don't just stop at surrendering to Krishna. That okay, I realize I can't be happy in this material world, therefore I surrender to Krishna. But 
No, and more, but not just simply on the platform of, of what I can get from Krishna, what Krishna can do for me, but how I can give myself, what I, how I can serve Krishna, even I'm not fit to serve Krishna. Das and das and das. Let me, let me serve those who are serving Krishna. I'm not fit to serve Krishna, but let me at least try to assist those who are serving Krishna. And in this way, uh, my, if I can make some tiny contribution in this way, by giving all my effort, if I can make some slight contribution to the service of Krishna, that will be, that is the desire of my life. Even at, even at any amount of discomfort for myself. So this message which is implicit in Srimad Bhagavatam, it's uh, given there in Sriman Sorry, the message which is implicit or, or, uh, or, or which is introduced, uh, not not in a very um, explicit manner in Bhagavad Gita. That is there in Srimad Bhagavatam. But practically that has been brought out by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. What is the what is the actual message of Srimad Bhagavatam? Why Srimad Bhagavatam is the topmost scripture? Because in the Bhagavatam there is only there are only topics of pure devotion to Krishna. The, the only subject matter is this topic of completely giving ourselves to Krishna. Therefore Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has accepted the Srimad Bhagavatam postgraduate study for the student of the Bhagavad Gita. And then uh, Prabhupada commented that even we can even we can go further, what is in Srimad Bhagavatam? What is what is there in Srimad Bhagavatam that is expressed in Chaitanya Charitamrita? So that Chaitanya Charitamrita that is uh, very high literature the Gauri literature, very high literature, because in, in there there is nothing but this pure, purest devotion to Krishna, which even it may seem to one who is not appreciating that, it may seem something even undesirable or horrible, how Chaitanya Mahabhu is leaving his family, his, his unprotected, his mother without, without she has no other, she has, her, her husband is not there, she has no other sons, they all died except Vishnu, but he also left and took sannyas, and then young Vishnu Priya, she's only a, a young girl, no son, and Chaitanya Mahabhu left, he left, simply left. And then he's uh, living in Puri and uh, sometimes rubbing his face on the wall and all blood is coming. And sometimes we hear the description, he's, he's jumping in the sea and then he's floating like a ghost and he's found and all his, his body is completely white and all the limbs are separated from the body and just the skin is holding them together. And some other time he becomes like a tortoise with his limbs going inside his body. Uh, it, it sounds like something horrible. What is this? This doesn't what it, we want to be like this. It sounds like something horrible. 
that uh, Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami, what is that? Bhagya Ibisha Jagadhar. Hmm. Vitare Ananda Bhav. Vitare He says that externally, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes appear to be something like poison, something very horrible and nasty. But internally, he's uh, experiencing the highest ecstasy. So, what is there in the Srimad Bhagavatam? What, what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has found in the Srimad Bhagavatam, he recommended to study the Srimad Bhagavatam himself. He regularly hear Srimad Bhagavatam, especially uh, descriptions of Dhruva Maharaj, Pralav Maharaj, Jadakadatha Pandit. Read again and again and again. Gadatha, but again and again and again, read for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And uh, of course, in those days, the, the books were written on palm leaves. So we've heard this this uh, Srinivasa Acharya, he came to see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And just as he was uh, coming, he got the news that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has passed away. So then he, uh, he found Gadadhar Pandit, he had the order that he should study from Gadadhar Pandit, study Srimad Bhagavatam. So he went to Gadadhar and said, yes, I can teach you Srimad Bhagavatam, but go back to Bengal and get another copy, because my, I, I cried so much reading it to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, I can't read it anymore. So then again he went back to Bengal, got a copy, and came back and found Gadadhar also passed. <laughs> so like this, the, uh, the pastimes of the, of the Gorya Vaishnavas, they seem to be full of so many, so much pain and suffering. This is Shrinivas. Then again, he came to Vrindavan and he found that he's just approaching and he found everyone is crying. Why are the roofs and houses not just passed? Oh, again, actually. And like this. Then he got the shelter of Jiva Goswami. And then, uh, and then uh, taking the books back to Bengal and again. All the books sold, so it's, it's, it's just so much struggle and suffering. But those who those who can take the ghee out of the milk, those who are sara, what is that? Uh, sara brahi. Those who are the those who can who can find the essence, they will find in this Srimad uh, Bhagavatam the. Uh, the deepest ecstasy, the, the, the actual platform of love of God. That's why I say this interfaith. Yeah, we can discuss with people, but it's it's like you know, it's a discussion between a resource and a slave. Really, I mean, there's there's no com- there's no comparison. This Christian religion, the the There's no comparison. They, know, they don't even know what is the soul, and no idea who is God. There's so many funny ideas that unless you believe in Jesus, you can burn in hell forever. They have so many theological problems, just like, but what happens to the, to the babies who, before they get baptized, they die, and then they go to limbo. You heard this in Catholic theology, they made up this limbo. And because there's, otherwise there's no explanation, there's no description in the Bible, but they made it up because otherwise what do you say? 
And then uh, what else is there? Then if someone's baptized as a Catholic, but they're they're they don't they're completely sinful. Then you go to purgatory. There's another thing made up. You burn it. You burn for some time. Then you come out and lose your good baptized Catholic. Then you can go to God also. Whereas those who don't believe, those who are not baptized, if they're not bathed in the blood of Jesus, then they have to burn in hell forever. Thanks to the all merciful God. So it, it doesn't make any sense. As Hotel Taco said, that there's, he analyzed briefly what is Christianity. He said that uh, according to this, that there was a first of all, there was a man and a woman, and the woman ate an apple, and as a result of that, everyone was suffering since, since time immemorial. But then God came and died, and then they got free from the offense of eating an apple. And then Bhakti Nautaka's comment is that no intelligent person can accept this religion. So that's why I said, oh, what is this interfaith? <laughs> How are we? Will Einstein discuss with a, with a five year old his, uh, his theories? What, will we, what, what is there to discuss? Of course, we're not Einstein as far as spiritual understanding goes, but what we've been given. This knowledge of Bhagavatam, it's so, it's, again, it's in a different dimension to that of anything that's offered, anything in this world. Therefore, Bhagavatam begins with the proposition Dharma Kaitava. Dharma approaches a Kaitava. In commenting on this or paraphrasing this, both distances and Tarko said that Priti Vite. Joto kata dharma nama chale. Bhagavata kahe taha paripurna chale. He said that whatever is going on and whatever is being broadcast in the name of religion in the world, according to the version of Srimad Bhagavatam, it's simply all cheated. And with the pudu, nine o'clock, I'm finished it. So we can go out on time to execute the power of dharma of chanting the holy names of Krishna in the streets of Ludhiana to the which is the conclusion of Srimad Bhagavatam. The conclusion of Srimad Bhagavatam, the last verse, is to chant the names of Krishna. So, that's it. Right? We should move on. Shri Bhagavatam Gijan.